Every company wants to grow their market, but in order to expand into another region, one corner of the market has to be secured first. Only from this position of utility and stability can a business secure other territories. Todd Olson, the CEO of Pendo, explains this strategy. We were very B2B focused, very B2B SaaS specifically in the early days. The words I use internally at the company is we need to nail our beachhead and then we use that next beachhead to go into other areas and other markets. So we were very, very, very focused in the early days. But then we started getting pulled into these areas. And one of the reasons we got pulled is that we were selling to product managers. And a product manager could go from a SaaS company to a bank. And they used us at the SaaS company like, hey, why can't I use you at my you know XYZ large organization? And we're like, okay, we'll sell to you. We started organically getting pulled in this direction because product managers started getting hired by traditional businesses. Traditional businesses figured out that they needed to become more digital and they started hiring digital product managers to take them down that journey. And those product managers pulled us into that space. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Todd describes the process of creating a new product category, educating buyers, and then ultimately expanding into new markets. He also shares a little bit about attracting talent and the benefit of having Pendo's headquarters in Raleigh, North Carolina. Enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have a special guest. He's the CEO of Raleigh's, is it the fastest growing SaaS company ever? I, I believe so, 100%, it's gotta be. He is the CEO of Pendo, Todd Olson. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right. Right out the gate, every guest gets asked the same question. For those who don't know, tell us what is Pendo and what do you guys do? Yeah. So we are very simply software that makes software better. And we do that by installing ourselves into those software applications, capturing analytics on how people are using that so that people can leverage that data to make it better and combine that with the ability to create a more engaging experience in product. So, you know, if you think about using software applications and ones that are more delightful and kind of help guide you around and make sure that you get value out of it, that's essentially what Pando software does. So it's a product that lives inside of other products. Some of the things that I know about it through research and learning a little bit about your business is it can measure, for example, where people are falling off or where people aren't successfully completing transactions that they need to complete. Certainly it tells you where the problems are occurring. Does it also kind of give insight into like what or why it's occurring or anything like that? Yes, of course, we can give insights into where people are dropping off. And then by further segmenting and looking at data, you can start to derive why, you know, root cause. Um, we also have qualitative uh, analytics in the product in the form of lightweight surveys to everything, the full boom net promoter score. So just by sometimes asking this question, like, hey, what happened? You can start to get to insights that inform next steps and, and action. So, so yeah, absolutely. You can, you can not only identify issues, but also help understand ways to mitigate them. This software, this category is pretty young. It's like only like seven years old. How old is the product category? Yeah, it's about as old as we are. You know, I mean, um, we're an eight-year-old company. So yeah, I, I think, you know, that is actually one of the most unique aspects of our story is that we we created a category. Look at this hard. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's 
there's different kinds of companies out there in the world. And some startups, they disrupt existing categories. We are creating a category um, from scratch. And, and look, so that that's everything from we have to educate people. We have to, I mean, heck, honestly, the, the, the person who buys us isn't used to buying things. So we need to help teach them how to buy things. And that's everything from like how to get through procurement to how to like help them with budgeting. And so, um, so yeah, that, that's, um, yeah, that's part of what we do. It makes it, makes it more interesting and more fun. <laughs> yeah. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to kind of take us to the beginning, because I remember when we first met, you talked about how this, your team kind of came up with the idea of Pendant because you guys were product people to begin with. And how you didn't have a way to like measure how your product was even performing unless you had to build it yourself. I met with you guys back in the very beginning, early days in 2016. I remember meeting with the VP of sales and he was saying something along the lines of like, you can't even buy call lists for this business because the the person that we're selling to isn't listed. Like there's no lists of these people. Like <laughs> We don't know who they are. We have to almost do homework on who they are and how to reach them. We all know that today product has evolved to the point where, you know, it is the, I don't know if it's the core function, but it's a major function, certainly of every software company. And it's like, I would say it's probably the front runner. I don't know where to put it. Talk a little bit about like how you guys developed this idea that this could be the next business, because that's where it all begins, right? You guys were building a software company. You guys had one and you were product people to begin with, but you didn't have product tools. Kind of talk about how this was born. My background before starting Pendo, I was the head of product for another software as a service business. That company ultimately went public. And that experience is really the, the foundational experience that helped inspire the creation of Pendo. You know, I lived these pains day in, day out, where I was trying to get insights into how users were using my product because I'd ship something and then I'd hear like anecdotal evidence. You know, you'd have one person that says, oh, customers are loving it. And then you'd have another salespeople say, oh, it's not actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then without having some system of record or fact of what's going on, people are just debating their opinion constantly. And I realized that in pretty much every other area of a business, it's very data-driven. And look, look even at marketing. Like marketing is gone from, you know, I have this slide where I said that marketing has gone from, from mad men to math men, because most of like people think marketers, you know, the, the, you know, the whiskey and cigarettes and, you know, negotiating ad contracts. Now it's not like that. People are looking at dashboards all day long and like tweaking dials and knobs. And so it's a very, very analytical department now and, and pro but product was the last remaining department that was still pretty old school, pretty anecdotal. People showing screenshots of what I shipped recently. And I, I knew there was an opportunity to help evolve that role from one that was a much more instinct and intuition to much more analytics and facts. And that, that was kind of the inspiration early on. And you know, Albert, people thought we were crazy in the early days of the company selling the product people because no one did it. You know, like everyone's like, well, there's no budget there. And I, I always said, look, this is like, a, you know, what comes first type of question, the chicken or the egg. Like if, if there's nothing to buy, there's not going to be a budget. Something has to come first. Like people don't so magically put budget line items to buy things that don't exist. So we had to create something that then people could budget. I think that's kind of how we've gotten here. For our listeners, I was joking with Todd earlier, but I remember my first encounter with Pendo was on the customer side. I was potentially a customer of Pendo, and we were measuring it against another product analytics product. And I remember Todd 
to reinforce what you just said, our CTO literally said in the meeting or the demo or after the demo and said, why don't we just build our own? And I, I remember challenging the guy and being like, well, why haven't we built our own? It's like, oh, you know, it's being all grumpy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we've been in software for six years. Why haven't we built our own? We already been acquired by one company. You're like, why? Well, where is it? If we can build it, where is it? And they're like, oh, you know, it's just grumpy. And eventually they sign up for some product. Talk about that, like that change. What did you guys first have to prove to demonstrate that this product is worth investing in? What was like the big first like couple things you guys proved that put Pendo on its way? Look, I, I think one of our disruptive differentiators as a business was one where we we came out of the gate and said, actually, go back to what your CTO was saying that that developers have to do nearly nothing, like nothing to do. And I think people were shocked, like really, because traditional solutions required developers to instrument. So there was work needed out of your development teams, but ours, you literally cut and paste like a little piece of JavaScript, drop into an application, and that's it. And I think we had to prove that. You can answer all the questions you wanted with that basic level of work. And I think that was the, uh, you know, I think the fundamental, the fundamental proof points we did early on. I think people were just shocked by how it worked. And one of the other great characteristics of our product is that you don't have to decide in advance what's important to collect because we're collecting everything. So what was neat is six months down the road, a customer would say, I really want to know what's going on here. And guess what? They'd have six months of data. And that was mind blowing to our early customers and the sheer thesis around the business and how it worked and how our tech was disruptive, I think was just, you know, we just had to prove that, that it worked, you know, I think in the early days. And then of course we had to prove that we could scale. And that's probably one of the other big proof points we did early on. Um, because when we started, we said, we're going to collect everything from apps. We had no idea what that meant. We had no idea. Like what would that mean in terms of data in like one day, I mean, we came into the office and some prospect lit it up on a live SaaS product and we got like flooded with data. And then we had to like scramble to fix it. And that act probably happened three or four times in the company's history where we were like get flooded, things would break. We would work, you know, 24 by seven, we'd fix it. And then we'd, you know, kind of hit the next milestone. So I think, I think those were, that was a lot, I think what we had to prove early on. Me being in Raleigh, of course, Pendo being HQ'd in Raleigh, I've seen very firsthand the growth, the constant, everybody I know seems to now work there, uh, <laughs> job openings, you know, so we obviously knew from my seat, I could see that the company was growing very, very well. For those who aren't close to Raleigh or don't know the story as well, give us an idea of some of the problems your customers were solving that helped lead to this hyper growth because you had to be solving massive problems beyond just installations and analytics, right? The reality is most tools provide analytics, but unless you can do something about it, it's just numbers on a spreadsheet, right? You guys were helping products, SaaS products fundamentally change their business. I'd love for you to share some of the stories of like things that they maybe, like you said, from the beginning, they might've had to guess at to like, now they were proving and then able to like fix or improve or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And look, this is the exciting piece. I mean, I do this all for customers and, and I, and I think the fun part of our story is that there's just such a diverse set of use cases that, I mean, but, but I'll go through a few and look in the early days, we did serve a lot of the SaaS market. So that was helping companies like Zendesk and Okta, you know, improve onboarding and retention of their biggest customers. So, so that was a, a lot of the, a lot of the early work there. I think one of the interesting trends that we've kind of 
ridden is this whole trend of companies wanting to become more product-led or digital-led. And certainly in the SaaS world. So what does that mean in the SaaS world? Well, that means self-service trials. How do we help companies have a better experience around a self-service trial that allows them to convert at higher rates? Worked with a bunch of SaaS businesses on how do we help convert freemium customers to paid customers? We worked with Citrix, another local company. You've probably seen their buildings also in downtown. We've helped them with cross-sells and upsells. They've been an acquiring machine and they you land on one product and how do you expand and how do you how do you drive growth through your product? That's another big use case where Pendo has been instrumental on. During COVID, we saw some amazing use cases. Because look, I, we started in SaaS, so I can give you a ton of examples on SaaS companies. But what people probably don't realize is we have a lot of non-SaaS companies using us. I mean, LabCorp, another North Carolina company, we first helped them improve the experience of the kiosks. So imagine you're in a kiosk in a doctor's office scheduling a test. Pendo's on that, and it's helping measure drop-off and helping improve that experience so you People can get tested for a variety of health things. But then we also went on their COVID testing site because guess what? They're getting an influx of users to their testing site, all looking for one thing, their COVID results. And it wasn't built for that. So they had to kind of help use Pendo to direct the users to that area. That was um, a really cool use case. Another one I shared a, a few months ago in our keynote at our user conference is a Bright Horizons. A lot of you may know what Bright Horizons is. I mean, I don't know. Education something, right? It's a daycare drop-off system. But guess what? When no one could go to daycares, they had to find ways to pivot their business to more digital products, to more, okay, now I want to get in-home care. And how can Bright Horizons get me in-home care, which you need an app for that and need to be able to search for things. And so, so they've had to shift their business from a much more in-person physical storefront to a digital business. And they've used Pendo to help do that. So those are like a variety of use cases um, across a bunch of industries. But, you know, look, the, the world's going more digital. Pendo is at the heart of companies trying to go more digital. And, you know, you could be a bank, you could be an insurance company, you could be a healthcare company. Most of your interactions with your customers or users going online. And Pendo, you can think of it as kind of like that assistant that's helping make sure those online interactions are just the same quality of the in-person ones. You know, a couple of those things that as, as you were talking, I was thinking about like, you know, there's a couple assumptions in your your statement that are, and I agree that they're 100% true, right? Like first one, like you mentioned, everything's going to go digital. Like that's, we already seen that, right? Everyone in every category wants to be the Peloton of their category where they're, even if you're selling a physical product, right? There's a digital component to it. And that's how, like you already said, that people are going to interact with it. The other thing that also must be true is that every product has like, it's like a tipping point thing. I remember when we were in SaaS, we knew that if a customer used a couple features that they would be much more likely to become a customer. I remember reading when Slack was starting that they saw that if anyone integrated like three or more applications, that that person would continue using Slack. And every product probably has this, but just like you said, if you don't have a tool like this, you probably don't know what those things are. Yeah, we call those aha moments. And those are the moments in which people kind of get what makes a product great. And every product has it. And your job as a product designer and product builder is to don't make your user search for it. Like lead them to the water, take them right to that aha moment. Because if you do that, you're going to hook them and you know drive 
them back into the product. And, and, you know, I think stickiness is one of these measures that we obsess over. It's just like ratio of either daily or weekly active use to monthly active use. And that depends on kind of the type of product, but you want a product that's stickier that people kind of can't live without, because frankly, those are the ones that aren't going anywhere. The products that aren't getting people back are the ones that are more susceptible to churn and just generally overall downsell and, and, and shrinking. So I think you're always trying to find ways to get people hooked and keep, keep bringing it back. If we were to walk back eight years, were you already seeing in your mind or were your team already starting to see like, hey, everything's going to be app or digital first? Like there are going to be no more physical first products. It's going to be digital first. And then there's like a physical component. Did you already see that kind of happening to consumer marketplace or is that kind of evolved as the business has evolved as well? I think we knew it and we saw it. We were still very, very focused on the SaaS market in the early days of, of Pendo. I think, I think we did stick to our knitting. You know, we were very B2B focused, very B2B SaaS specifically in the early days. We wanted to get the words I use internally at the company is we need to nail our beachhead. And then we use that next beachhead to go into other areas and other markets. So we were very, very, very focused in the early days. But then we started getting pulled into these areas. And one of the reasons we got pulled is that we were selling to product managers. And a product manager could go from a SaaS company to a bank. And they used us at the SaaS company like, hey, why can't I use you at my you know, XYZ large organization? And we're like, okay, we'll sell to you. So it, it became one of those things where we started organically getting pulled in this direction because product managers started to get hired by traditional businesses. Traditional businesses figured out that they needed to become more digital. And they, so they started hiring digital product managers to take them down that journey. And those product managers pulled us into that space. There's no better way, right? If, if the people that are working on products themselves are the ones pulling your product through to other verticals, <laughs> there's no better way to grow than that. For yourself, like as you've seen this happen, you've been the CEO since the beginning. There have been more people added to your team. We you know, we've seen in the news articles, you're adding team members from a lot of different places because you, you've been on record saying like, you know, Raleigh's going to be our home. Talk about growing Raleigh, which is not, you know, most people think, you know, it's obviously things are changing now, but it used to be Silicon Valley was the only place to grow. Now you've grown here in Raleigh. Talk about attracting talent, how you've approached that, that challenge, because that is something that every software company in the world is fighting for, like getting talent, like landing talent, retaining talent. That's your new battle, I believe. The battle to attract talent never ends, right? We're all recruiters. You know, yes, we have a recruiting team who, whose title says recruiting, but every pendozer that works here is a recruiter and an ambassador. You know, because I think when you interact with someone at your friends giving that works at Pendo and that person's amazing and they talk about what a great culture it is, that's going to get you interested in applying. And, and I so I still think like our people, our culture, that's what is you know the primary attractor. And I think we invest a lot in both. So I think we've been measuring our culture via EMPS from the very, very beginning. We actually have hit record highs in the last two quarters. Like literally, I don't think we've been this high since maybe 2016, 2017. Wow. That's when you were like a 15 person company or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the numbers are, yeah, we're now 820 or something like that. So like much, much, much larger. So Look, I think I think Raleigh's part of it. I think it's part of um, it's obviously our headquarters, and we about sixty percent of our eight hundred people here in the Raleigh region, and we invest a lot in the community. I think that certainly helps. And look, it's a great place to attract talent. There's three amazing universities in close proximity. Then there's if you go kind of 
even outside that close proximity to the region, there's other great universities we can pull talent from. There's over 40 to 50,000 new college grads a year graduating here. And I think our brand reputation is very good here. So it gives us a bit of an unfair competition. Now, look, like anything good in the world, good things aren't secrets, you know, like, so Apple's coming and Google's coming. So we have to maintain our competitiveness when we're getting more out of town competition. But to us, that's all great. The more people we attract to this region, the better it is for Pendo long, long-term. So, so we're very bullish on it. Now, in order to attract other unique talent, we have opened up offices. So we do have an office in the Bay Area. We have an office in San Francisco. We have one in New York City. And those are great offices. And I enjoy visiting them. And we have some amazing talent in both those offices. San Francisco is almost 100 people now. New York's in the 50, 60 range. And look, that's because not every role we can hire in Raleigh. So there are some special, unique skills, specifically for senior level talent that we do cast a wide net. And sometimes we, we hire people in some of those, those remote cities. Sometimes we move those folks to Raleigh. Raleigh's a great place to attract and move people to. I mean, it's a nice place to live. And here's the thing, nearly everyone in the company visits and everyone loves it. You know, whether it's, you know, for one of our internal events or pandemoniums or customer event, we bring everyone here. So it's just a great place. It's, it's green, affordable, like nice, friendly people. So, so yeah, I, I think it's been a big part of our success. And how about for yourself, like your, the role that you play, because, you know, you mentioned before when you first started, you guys were all product guys building product. How has your role changed? Because that's something that we, we've had a lot of different guests on our show, but very few CEOs that have gone from like five to 800 plus, such as yourself <laughs> in a very short period of time. Talk about how your, your role specifically changed. In fact, I remember once I was at um, like a sales meetup and you were there talking someone asked the question like, well, how's the best way to sell to a CEO? And you, you had a comment like, well, actually I'm the worst person to sell to because I actually don't do any of the things that you're, you're trying to sell. <laughs> so what are yes. you doing? Everyone take note of that folks. Do not sell to me. <laughs> you're like, I don't do any of those things. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you're, you're all, uh, of course it changed. Like I used to write code when I was five people and I went from writing code to um, selling the, the first couple dozen customers. Um, and then once I hit certain sales targets, you know, then I brought on Chaz. I think you were mentioning our first head of sales still with the company. I, I always say I got three main jobs. I need to make sure I set the strategic direction for the business. So I spend a lot of time thinking about where are we headed? And then I spend probably 10 times more uh, actual time communicating that strategy to the entire company. And you can never do that enough. You'll still have people that say they don't know what our strategy is, even when I communicate it all day long, every day in many forms. <laughs> so that's number one. The second thing is just making sure we have the best possible team. And I obsess over team, like in almost every department and every role, I'm actually challenging my direct reports on how they think around, like, do you have the right talent for the next 18 to 24 months? Like what roles are you concerned of? And I, and I myself really, really focus on my, my own personal team. And, and this year, like you mentioned, you know, we, we've hired some amazing new executives, but we've shifted our executive team dramatically. You can you know, use the internet time machine, go back you know, a year on Pendo's executive page and look today. And it looks very different, completely new, pretty much, except for a handful of roles that which we've, we've maintained. Um, go back three years, it's, it is completely new. So, so Eric, our, our CTO is probably the only one who's carried over through and JK, our, our CFO, she, she and Eric are kind of like the folks that have been here the longest directly working for me. So, so just, you know, a lot of great change and, and some of the new talent we're bringing in has seen scale 
that I haven't seen before. And that's a big reason you hire them in. Like I like, look, I always joke with folks that like, I'm the only person that you would never hire me to do this job. Like, because I've never done it before. Like, like everyone else has experience. <laughs> so yeah, every day we grow and every day is the first, the biggest I've seen being a CEO. So, so I, I'm learning every day in the job and that in some ways like invigorates me. So I love learning, but yeah. So I surround myself with people who aren't learning that that's how I do it. That, that's my secret. Like everyone who works for me is not learning. So I can kind of like let them do their, their thing. And I just kind of sit back and watch a little bit. So that's the second big thing team. And then, you know, look, I, I have a responsibility to make sure we don't run out of money. We never have. I, I think we're really well capitalized. <laughs> so we, we always raise in advance of needing it. Yeah. I, I think that has been one particular thing that we, we've been pretty successful as a business since, since early days. Yeah. And, you know, back to the first part, because this is something that I think impacts our listeners specifically, because as you know, IT visionaries tends to have we definitely lean towards software and tech, people that work at companies, people that have high profile positions. You know, you mentioned like you made sure you your company strategy is always well known. Talk about what you how you're thinking and envisioning your category in the next five years. Like what are you specifically wanting Pendo to focus on quite a bit? So the thing I'm always obsessing over, and I think actually if you're running a company of, of really any size and scale, you, you sure should be obsessing over is growth. And you look at the stock market. Companies that grow fast are highly valued and the companies that don't are not. It is really that binary. What do I like stress or think about the most is how do we continue to maintain high growth at scale? Maintaining high growth when you're tiny is super easy. Maintaining high growth when you're not tiny is a lot harder. <laughs> so I guess I look at it from a number of different lenses. I can take what we have and sell it to more companies around the world. And some of that is us continue to move up market to the enterprise. And we, like when you and I are talking in 2016, we're starting to talk about the enterprise. We're still not even really there yet. We're only 10% of the Fortune 500 uses, 10%. That is meager. So one of the big things is how do we get, well, more than 10% of the Fortune 500 users and how do we invest in selling what we have to more and bigger companies? And, that, and that's more and bigger companies here, but then more bigger companies internationally. Still, 10-ish percent of our revenue comes internationally, that's too small. It should be closer to 40 or 50%. So a big part of our strategy, the big thing I focus on is what markets we're looking at, what are the new areas where we can take what we've got and sell it just to more people? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is for our existing customer base, how do we expand our product portfolio to have more things to sell to them so they can grow too? That's generally my two vectors I think of. I want to sell what we've got to more people. And then I want more things to sell to the customers we already have. And those more things are everything from yeah, new modules to well, you know, we're looking at, we looked at a few acquisitions. Uh, and I think we'll do both. I think we'll acquire new capabilities. I think we will build new capabilities. I, I said this year when we walked in this year that we, we were actually launching a new product family. It's called Adopt. We started announcing it mid-year. We released it in beta at Pandemonium. We're launching it in GA early next year. This is one of the single largest bets we made in our entire company's history. When you put three, four engineering teams in this new product from scratch, built from scratch to attack a new market, that's a significant investment. That's us being entrepreneurial, all because we know it'll be important to drive growth in the next three to five years. We honestly don't need it this year. Like we're fine, but we will need it in the future. And if you don't invest now, you won't have it when you actually need it. 
that's a big part of what our roles as leaders is we have to look out and make some hard choices now, knowing we're going to need those in a year or two. And, and it's a bet. And, and I feel really good about this bet because it's already starting to bear some fruit. But that's a big piece of how I think about our market and, and keep driving growth. Like, look, companies that grow north of 50 percent, even north of 40 percent, they just get valued more highly. So you just got to keep thinking, how do I keep driving all this growth and investments in new markets, investments, in new products? I know that's kind of what I obsess over. So. I love it because your, your flywheel of success is actually your, your customer's growth leads to your growth. If we grow them via our products and modules, as you suggested, they grow. So then those product managers then spread the Bible or spread the, spread the praises of Pendo, and then you get to grow. Exactly. And if you don't help them grow, you're not going to grow because people will do something else. Curiously, you mentioned before, 10% of the Fortune 500 is a big number, but like, like you said, there's more Greenfield than there is customers right now, and you're going to try to go grow into those. What is, I guess, the block or what is the barrier right now? Is it education? Do uh, a, lot of, a lot of CTOs try to build their own, still like the CTO I was working for back in 2016, they're still trying to build their own analytics product, or maybe they have built their own analytics product. Give us an idea of what stops someone from saying yes. I think the, the thing that stops before we even get to that part is like this is a general lack of awareness, knowledge about our space. So yeah, education is by far the biggest thing we need to invest in getting our name out there. There's still tons of traditional businesses just don't know that we exist. So we work a lot there. And then when, when you're going to evaluate it, like, yeah, it could be people want to build it themselves and can be getting the budget for it. Again, people have never spent money on something like this, so they don't have money like sitting around. So we have to help them build that budget and make sure they're thinking about it in advance. Those to me are like the two biggest items. Yeah. And you guys have gone about this in an interesting way. Uh, part of Pendo's marketing that's developed over the years is the product craft blog, which has become like the de facto like gathering place for product people to talk all things product, to learn about things. Was that born from your idea? Was that someone else's idea? Like, how did you guys, it's like kind of like feeding your own wheel a little bit, but I didn't know if that was born from you or from your team members and how that came about. I don't know if I can take personal credit, you know, for, for that. So, um, I was probably involved in the decision. I, look, look, I've said since day one, we were going to invest in product managers as a role to help involve their craft because the more product managers that want to be more data-driven, that want to use modern techniques, the more Penda is going to sell in the world. I mean, I'll be honest. And, and, you know, now it's a long-term play. You know, this is not a teach them and then immediately you, you get results. I think you have to think much bigger. Like, and look, I want to be around for 10, 20. Like I'm, I'm young, Albert. Like I'm going to be doing this for a while. So I'm not going anywhere. So like I'm playing the long-term game. So we've invested a lot in that product craft content to really just help educate the world and teach people all these new techniques that uh, we sell. I also wrote a book and I wrote it, I started writing at the end of 2019. It came out in 2020 called the product led organization. That's also been something that is all about kind of giving back and educating people. And, and I, I now do a, a lot of talks with some of our larger customers, even large companies around like how to apply product led concepts in their own business, where to start, what to measure, how do you organize around it? Honestly, I love all those things. Those things, I get excited, energized, talking to companies just about these general practices and because I believe in it. I believe in it and I see the impacts it has on, on businesses. And it's all very authentic. You know, when we started back in the early days, back when you met me in 2016, I was going around on weekends to these product camps, these unconferences, I and other folks at Pendo. And we would like set up a little table 
we talked product managers all day on Saturday, just about what's top of mind. I mean, heck, one of the early ones, my wife and I were, were actually manning the table on a weekend. And we made a little, you know, that evening we had a nice little dinner. So it made a little social gathering out of it. But, but um, my point is, is that it's just a long-term investment. Like talk to folks, like build the community. If you build the community, good things will happen long-term. And I think that, that's been our strategy and it's, we're still investing heavily in it. So I think it's, it's really, really important part of our uh, long-term strategy. From what I've seen from the usage of product craft, I mean, I think you're on your way. And I was listening to what you were saying about like enterprise sales. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, beyond education, the one thing that I've experienced in enterprise sales, you have plenty of people giving you advice, but I would say this is like enterprises. I swear to God, if you don't do it for them, like if they have to implement things themselves, <laughs> it becomes a problem. I don't know why that is, but it, there's always like, we, we would challenge our sales reps all the time. Like, how do we do this for them? People are like, what do you mean? Like the WWE wants to track it's like 200 personalities. And we would say, oh, well, they could use the software. Now I tell our guys, no, 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 no. They don't want to use the software. They want it done. <laughs> and so we would teach them to do it for them. Anyways, I don't know if that'll help you or not, but it feels that way in enterprises. Like they, the people, it needs to be done for them. <laughs> I agree with you. And look, we, we've had to adjust too. We now have a professional services arm and we didn't have one back then. And we've got a, a decent sized team there. And, and yes, like some folks just want it done. And there's a delicate balance. Like we need to make software that's usable enough for everyone to be able to use without Penda doing it for you. And some folks still just want us to do it. So both need to be true. Todd, it was awesome having you on the show. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Todd, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so our audience can get to know you better. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We found that you like to bake cakes. Is that true? It is true. What cake is your specialty? Oh, I like them all, but uh, I, I particularly like making carrot cake. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's delicious. Are you a decorator? Do you like make them fancy? Yeah, fondant, you name it. I haven't made any fondant in a while, but I normally make my own fondant from scratch, color it. And then, yeah, I've, I've done animals. I've done monsters. I've done all sorts of things. Very cool. Have you ever made a cake of the Pendo Tyrannosaurus? I have not. We did buy one though recently. <laughs> I think it was the largest dinosaur cake I've ever seen, but um, I did not make it that one. I usually make my home my cakes for home use, not for professional use. So <laughs> <laughs> we also did through our research. We said we found out you're a runner. Is that true? That is true. What is uh, your favorite distance to run? Are you a 100 mile guy, ultra marathon guy, marathon guy. I am not an ultra marathon. I, my knees will not let me do that anymore. So, like, I've done seven or eight marathons, including a qualified in Boston. But lately, I've been doing 10Ks. So, I, I did uh, two 10Ks this month I did the city of Raleigh or city of Oaks 10K. And then I also just did the turkey trot uh, last week. There you go. And another famous Raleigh run that kind of combines your two hobbies. Have you done the Krispy Kreme run? I have not done the Krispy Kreme run. Seems like I could get sick if I do that. So like I have not done it. Yeah, for those who have not done it, it's kind of gross at the finish line. There's definitely a lot of vomit. <laughs> so that might be enough for you to be like, all right, I'm checking out. I'm not doing it. Yeah, this is like my jam. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're a product guy, which means you probably evaluate products with a discerning eye, or I don't know how to best describe this. But what product? Can't name your own. What products have you used lately that you're like, wow, this is a really simple experience that makes it super enjoyable to use what products are you like very bullish on right now 
I will go with tonal. You've heard of Peloton, but tonal is like a strength training for your wall. It's kind of like a mirror, but with these arms that come out. And I just love this device so, so, so much. It, it is, I'll just do the very, very quick sales pitch. So it's like, I've never done strength training in my life, but now I do it pretty much every day. Yeah, maybe three, four times a week. Uh, maybe it's probably more accurate. It's just amazing. Like it has everything built in these arms. They have like little buttons and the handles to turn on and off the weight so you can get things positioned so you don't injure yourself. Just love it. It's transformed how I work out. Is it just really easy to use everything or is it just, I guess, rewarding? How would you describe the experience? Everything's really easy to use and it measures your output regularly. So it, when you get over like 80% of like your, your general strength, strength output regularly, it increases the weight. So it slowly increases weight, pound, two pounds. Like if you're on a gym, you're going to put like a, what, a two and a half or five pound plate on a bar to like continue going up digitally. You can do one, one pound at a time. There's, there's no, there's no, like the, the increments are more fine grained, really engaging instructors. And um, yeah, it's been awesome. There you go. Another product that is Digital first, right? <laughs> kind of bringing us back full circle. Yeah, no, it's completely digital first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Todd, it was awesome having you on the show today. It was awesome hearing a lot about Pendo, how it's humble beginnings to where it is today. And based on what you said, and I agree fully with you, like it's only just begun. There's more and more products are going to lead with this mentality that you just described earlier in the show, which is there's going to be a couple core functions in any given product that if a customer uses they are going to be more likely to subscribe or stick around. If you can help people find those things faster, that will feed your growth. That's your flywheel of growth. And if you can't, well, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> you got to figure that out. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, I appreciate it. Great seeing you, Albert. Thanks for having me on the show. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. 